Good morning. Welcome this morning. If you're watching online, welcome. We are in Malachi, taking a brief little break from the Gospel of John, and uh, working through this over the next five or six weeks. And uh, so, if you find your place at verse six, we're going to be looking down all the way to chapter two and verse nine this morning. This is one what they call these disputations as he as he engages. Remember, he has already told God's people that he loved them. That he chose them, that he has not only declared his love, but he has proven it by how he demonstrated his love to his people. And now he turns the corner, as it is, to begin to talk about their worship, and not simply their worship, but their very heart in worship. And so let us stand in honor of God's word this morning. As we look at this text, we're going to read just verses 6 to 14, just to get us started this morning, and then we'll pray for our our time together. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer to those that are lame lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you that would shut the doors. That you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts, but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, What a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as an offering? Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifice to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. And my name will be feared among the nations. This is the word of God. Lord, this is your word to a people, to your people that you chose, to a people that you love. And so these words, though they are hard, they seem very tough, Lord. They're, they're in love, and they're, but you're a holy And we will not sacrifice one for the other because this is who you are. And so, Lord, we pray 
that you would help us today to understand how this applies to me as your pastor of your people, how it applies to us as parents, as deacons, as managers and leaders in places all over this county. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know. I, th I think potentially this has been lost. I don't know if it was part of your upbringing or not, but my, my father has always impressed on me the importance of our name. You are a little John. That's your name. And when you go out and act, you act in that name. And you either bring honor to that name, or you bring dishonor to that name. You, when you bring dishonor to your name, you not only bring dishonor to yourself, you bring dishonor to God, but you also bring dishonor to those who came before you and those who will come after you. It's really the importance of a father who teaches his son that both his character and his reputation is bound up in the name and I know that seems maybe even a foreign concept to us now, though it should not be. But it wasn't in that day. The importance of the fathers teaching their children about the name was important because, you see, God's people are bringing dishonor to the name above all names, to Yahweh. We like to watch a program. It's called Fixer Uppers. I don't know if anybody watches that. They buy a house and they fix it up and... At the end of it, they, they have the, this big banner that they make, and it looks like the old house before they fixed it up, and they bring it together, and the people stand in front of it. And so when they, the, the little girl says, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? You know, and then they, they slide it. What does the person say almost every time when they see this, remodel, this new house? Oh, my God! Right? So, so let me ask you, is this what they're saying? Or they say, this house is built according to God's will, by His authority and for His glory. Is that really what they're saying? No. What are they saying? Wow, that's quite a house. But instead of just saying, wow, look at that house. They take God's name and they use it in vain. Emptied of what it means. And so, we hope we know this. When we pray, when we say in Jesus' name, that's what we're saying. We're saying, I have prayed what I have just prayed according to your will, with your authority, and for your glory. And to not pray in that way consciously brings dishonor to the name. When we go out and pray that and then live contrary, we disregard his will, we despise his authority, and we neglect his glory. That's why the name is important. The name that we bear, our family name, but even important, the name that we bear, the name above all names. For even if you have no family name to be honored by, you have the name of Christ that is ultimate in our life. So, got that graphic? I want you to think about that. This is what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. So we talked about covenant love to start with. Covenant love. God says, I chose you. And you didn't deserve it. And you need only look 
at Jacob and Esau to understand what it looks like for me to set my love on you. I have declared it to him. I've demonstrated it. And yet you see these other elements that we're going to be talking about. As he engages the heart of worship, he says, you must never lose this fact that I chose you and you don't deserve it. And from that love flows to a people and from the people to their God, these elements. And listen today. So when, we get, when I get serious, it is because God is serious. When I speak very directly, I, I'm, I'm just trying to say what the prophet said to the people. That when these elements stop, biblical love stops. A worship stops. And we must restore it. That's what the Lord is passionate about. So, let's understand our context. The primary problem is a lack of respect for and honor to God. Respect for and honor to the symptom of that problem is deficient worship. We're going to call that leftover worship this morning. Leftover worship. The primary audience is the priests. They are the leaders. The one who is responsible for leading the people in worship. So we see to deal with our deficient worship, we must begin with those who lead. Begin with me. Main idea. The Lord of hosts deserves and demands the honor from his covenant people. First, he deserves it. He deserves it. Look at verse 6. Here's the question. As a son honors his father and a servant his master, if then I am a father, where is my honor? So here's the question. I've loved you. I've chose you. You're my children. Where's my honor? Honor is inseparable with fear of the fear of God. We're going to deal with the fear of God later. And so I want us to think about honor this way this morning, as, as best we can to try to separate it from, from the fear of God, though you can't, as respect. Respect. Think of honor this morning as respect. Respect, whether you look at it in God's Word, or even if you look it up in your dictionary, from the English word, it means to esteem. It's to is to lift something up. Y'all just try that sometime. Just lift something up around somebody and everybody looks up at it. That's what it means to, re- to honor someone or something. It means to esteem it above something else. He said, I'm your father. Your spiritual father. Where is my respect? You see, the primary issue is not that they are bringing a blind sheep and offering it. It's not simply that people bring their pocket change and call it and call it thanksgiving. The issue is why they're doing it. You see, that's the heart. And what he's putting his finger on is though I have covenant love for you, you are not sending it back in your worship. The problem is a lack of respect and honor to God that leads to deficient offerings. And so, so let me be clear this morning, because I'm not talking about your son, just our Sunday attendance. I'm not talking about just your pastor doing what I'm doing right now. I'm talking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. That's a life of worship. You see, sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend is a symptom. It's not the heart of the problem. 
And if you're counseling somebody, it's not the heart of the problem. The, hop, the part of the problem is not that somebody is cohabitating with somebody else. The heart of the problem is, yes, they are dishonoring themselves. Yes, they are dishonoring the person that that is happening to. But ultimately and primarily, they are dishonoring the name of Christ. That is the heart of the issue. If you're cheating on your taxes, that is a symptom of a heart problem. You seek not to honor Christ in every area of your life. And listen, this is what the Lord says is worship our life. This was the problem. It happened from the top down, from the leaders out to the people. The first question is not, go give me another sheep. The first question he asks is, where is my honor? Where is my honor? Psalms. 24, 4 to 5. We've already seen that this morning, hadn't we? Who can enter God's presence? That was the question, you remember? Another question. We've just got through reading it, but let's look at it again. Verse 3, he answers the, press, the question. Verse 3, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Verse 4, look at what he says. Who has clean hands and what? Pure heart. You see, the pure heart is essential. The lying, right? The lifting up something that is false is a symptom. The heart is the heart problem. The heart of the issue is the heart. Look, here's the question. They come back. Remember, the questions are really attitudes more than questions that people actually were saying. Their attitude was this. Remember, we did this last week. What? Right? Y'all never heard that before, haven't you? You did something, what? Uh, I'm here, right? I turned in my envelope. What? How have we dishonored you? Look at verse 6 again. He asked the questions, where is my honor? Oh, priest, look, who despised my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? What, what has to do with what I bring have to do with your name? You, we've disconnected our life from our worship. The problem is God has never disconnected it. Our life is our worship. What we do here is overflow. The term here, you notice he says, they despise, you've despised my name. Despite, this word is significant. You know what that means? It's an attitude of ongoing disrespect. That's what dishonor is. Disrespect. It's an, it's an ongoing attitude first that has an action attached to it. And he's laying this first, not at the people's feet, but at the priest's feet. They were both, in, in that time, there wasn't this separation of church and state. You can go to a, a Muslim country and you can see they don't separate religion and politics. These priests were the representatives between God and the people. They represented both. This was their gift. You've got to understand that. They didn't get any land, remember? The Levitical priesthood got a gift. Their gift was they get to, to abide in the very presence of God. And mediate between God and His people. It's a privilege. That was their birthright. It was their inheritance. And just like Esau, they were despising it. He said, Not only are you putting yourselves and your ministry and your children's 
lives and ministries at risk. You're putting the people at risk. They, they were jeopardizing themselves. They were also, because they were the leaders, they were jeopardizing the entire community. Like a father who advocates his responsibility in the home, destroys the home. And himself. This is what they were doing. He said, you are polluting my name. When that means he's, they're, they're disdaining. They're showing an attitude of disrespect for his character and his person. Sacrifice was just the symptom of that. I know you do this all the time. I do it. We ate breakfast. It was Saturday. We had a little bit of grits left over. So what do we do with those little bit of grits? We put them in on a little plate. We love eating Chinese food because they give you those little plastic things. It just worked perfect for leftovers, right? So you, you put that in there and you put it in the fridge. The next day, maybe you eat some green beans. There's a little bit left. We're not going to waste it. So we put it in the fridge. And by the time you get to Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, about Tuesday, guess what time it is? Leftover time. You know, you know how it is. You get everything out of the refrigerator. You put it all over the counter. And it's just, hey, eat it. That's what we're having. That's what we're having tonight. Basically, here's what he's saying. You are bringing me your leftover worship and nuking it in a microwave and calling it a day. To offer the Lord. This is our, the main point of the first point. To offer the Lord less than your best is to despise his name. It is to show him an ongoing attitude of disrespect. He deserves our best. How do I know that? How do I know that my life has become like heating up leftovers? Well, he gives us a test here. Do you see it? Look at verse 8. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that an evil? And when you offer to those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Listen to the test. Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show your favor? says the Lord of hosts. There's the test. He says, this worship that you're bringing me, this leftovers, would you offer that to your governor? Many of you know our story. Our, our children were stuck in the Congo for a long time. We had a terrible time getting them home. And one of the people we called was our congressman. His name is Patrick McHenry. And he labored with us to help get our children home. He did did everything he can do. And so a little bit later, he calls us up and says, hey, you know, we'd like to do an interview and, and put you in a commercial when I'm running for office. And we said, sure, come on over. And so he came over and we brought all the lights and all that stuff and set it up in the house and they interviewed us. Now, he didn't do this, but what if he did? What if he stayed for supper, right? And it just happened to be Tuesday. You know what we do Tuesday we eat everything in the refrigerator that we left over the weekend. So here's what we do. We pull out the grits. We pull out the liver mush, right? It was in a little Ziploc bag. Had a couple pieces left over. Meat don't usually last at our house, though. But let's just say it did. And we pull out the green beans, right? Had a little piece of chicken left. And we just put it in a styrofoam plate. We microwave it. And we slide it in front of our congressman. This person who has shown us honor by what he has fought with us for what would he think of that that's the honor test so we have to look at our life first as leaders and say is that what i'm giving to god 
and saying, God, you ought to be happy with it. At least I'm giving you that. Here's what he tells them to do. Oh, that someone would just shut the doors of the church. Shut the temple doors, verse 10. Oh, that there was one among you that would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain or for nothing. Look at what he says. This is sobering. And listen, God does not change. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept your offering from your hand. So here today, this is a timeless principle from God's word. Leftover worship separates us from the Lord, from our intimacy. He says, I am taking no pleasure in you. And secondly, leftover worship is not accepted. It's not enough that you offer it. The issue is, is he accepting it? He says, your disdaining of my name is affecting our relationship. And listen, you might as well shut the doors because I'm not accepting it. So, what did Jesus say about this? Turn with me to Matthew 23. We're going to actually read Matthew at the, at the very end in our prayer focus. But this is a couple chapters before that. Matthew 23. Look at verse 23. In other words, leftover worship is nothing more than functional hypocrisy. Here's what he said. To the most, listen, look at me for a second. The, the Pharisees were the most faithful church attenders and leaders of their day. They, they wrote over the seas to, to evangelize. They gave. Look what it's going to say. They gave their offerings. They were always there. They always prayed. They always fasted. And listen to what he says to them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. What is the weightier matters of the law? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done, listen, without neglecting the others. You see that? One is weightier. He's not saying you shouldn't have done those other things. He said, you've neglected a weightier thing. This is both comforting and sobering. If you look at verses 11 and verse 14, here's what he says. Our leftover worship does not stop true worship. A promise from God. He's saying, my name will be great. My name is great. And I will be worshipped in truth. And if not by you, I will raise up a people of true worshipers for my name. And listen, brothers and sisters. Here we sit. Just like God promised. Isaiah 48 says this, For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. How should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. And yet the people, if you look at verse 13 and 14, here's what they say. Let me just illustrate it. Right? We've never done that, have we? Oh, this is what God called me to do this morning. Oh, goodness, now one more day. Oh, what a pain. I got to go to the temple. I got to cut up all those animals. I got to offer sacrifices. Them, them ornery people 
who brings these, these messed up animals, and I'm supposed to deal with that. You see, here's what the priests were doing. Uh, here comes a guy with the, with the blind sheep. It's all right. I'm just glad you're here. It's all right. What a pain. That word here, snort, is what that means. It means to gasp. It means to blow. It's a pain. You see, you've got to stop if we do that and say, Stephen, son, where's that coming from? It's coming from my heart. It's coming from an attitude of ingratitude, an attitude of dishonor. Because, you see, when we see God for who He is, for Christ, for who He is and what He's done, it produces in us a response. And it looks like both honor and joy. Looks like fear and faithfulness. And so when that does not bleed out into our relationships, into our marriages, and we're going to talk about that next week, there's, there's something wrong. We must stop because, listen, the Lord deserves our best. And only our best honors him. Second, he also demands it. He demands our honor. We're getting into chapter 2 now. (laughs) He doesn't ease up here. See, I want us to understand this no matter who you are, no matter where you are in life. We are first worshipers. We are first worshipers. And then we lead you. Micah must be a first worshiper for himself. Micah worshiper for himself before he stands up here. This is not a place for hypocrisy. It's a place for worship. And they must be worshipers. You are first a worshiper, then a parent. You are a worshiper, then a manager, a salesman, a banker. Whatever you do, you are first and foremost a worshiper His name deserves it. And He demands it from us as His people. We are first worshipers. That is foremost. The Lord does not need something from you. One day we will die and the world will go on. We are His worshipers. And that is chief. The leaders, the spiritual leaders of the people had forgotten that. And so the Lord warns them. Look at verse chapter 2, verse 1. Oh, now, O oh priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. This is a sobering warning. Taking something to heart is to take it inside. It is this understanding of what we get with repentance. When we hear God's word, when the Spirit works on us and convicts us of our sin, a change of mind and direction is the result. That's repentance. And listen, it's nothing else. He's saying, take this to heart, priest. Which means, take what I say because I love you to heart and repent yourself. For your ongoing attitude of disrespect. You see, they were under the Mosaic Covenant there. You can look up Deuteronomy 28 later if you want to put it in your notes. We're not going to look it up now. Verse 1 tells them about blessings. Honor me, obey me, and then you'll have blessings. Verse 15 says, 
dishonor me and disobey me, and I will bring a curse. I will curse your blessings. If you do not obey me, you will exchange the blessings for destruction. You see, the indictment on the priest was spiritual malpractice. You ever heard of that as, a, as in a medical profession? If you're in that profession, you could get sued for malpractice. Instead of doing the job, when someone imagined this for me with a second, the priest's job was when you, bring your, you brought your Thanksgiving offering in up the ramp, the priest would have stopped and he would have inspected it. That was his job, to inspect your offering. Because it was not safe for you to offer something that was blemished to the Lord of hosts. That was his responsibility to say, stop, what are you offering to God here? Why would you bring that to the Lord of hosts? Do you not know what he says? He was the guardian of truth, the guardian of God's name, and he had forgotten it. So he gets the stiffer warning here, and listen, New Testament believers, those who teach, those who lead, James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. That's a new covenant warning. We should be serious about truth. Even when it's not received. God loves us enough to tell us the truth. And listen, God also loves us enough to give us a model. Here's what he says. Look at verses 4 to 7. I give you a model. His name was Levi. Models should include three things. And because I'm a preacher, they all start with C. Commitment, character, and communication. Commitment, character, and communication. He says in verse 4 that Levi was committed to my covenant. He kept it. See, there was the covenant, the Mosaic covenant. And then there was a smaller one, so it will, though unofficial, that was between the Lord and the Levites. Serve with me, serve for me, serve faithfully, protect my people, honor my name, and you will be secured as my priest forever, your children after me. Somebody hit their remote. <laughs> then they had character. Look at verse 50. Look at the character of Levi. He said, Levi feared me. You see it? It's a covenant of fear. And he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. And the result in verse 5 was life and peace for him and his posterity. Look at verses 6 and 7, the third C, communication. This is important. Because this transcends from the old into the new with what spiritual leaders should be about. Look at verse 6. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me, with the Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, in peace and uprightness. And he turned many from a sin, from iniquity. For the lips, verse 7, of the priest should, should guard knowledge. They are the guardians of truth. The ones who guide people to life and not death. Leaders must be examples, but listen, brothers and sisters, Christ is our model. John 17, the high priestly prayer, verse 4 says this, Jesus is talking to the Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Look down at verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. 
which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that Scripture might be fulfilled. Do you, here's what he is saying. Let me use the words of Paul. Paul said it so well. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's sort of the mantra of every person that God calls to lead. And listen, remember what Pastor Micah has already told us from God's Word. You are a kingdom of priests. In other words, this text is not just talking to me. This text is talking to us. For we all lead people. And he says, Paul says this. It's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was fathering his father and instructing the disciples. And we must be the same. So the Lord confronts him. I just want you to see one thing in verses 8 and 9. Verse 8. But you have turned aside from the way. Listen to what he says. This is important. You have caused many to stumble by your destruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. So here was the problem with the spiritual leaders who had stopped leading because they have stopped proclaiming the truth. Because pastors have become people who pick a little topic and give you a ten minute devotion and tell you to go about your life. The Lord confronts him here with his truth and said you are causing them to stumble And it's on you, big boy, when you stand before the day. And I say, I give you the book, and you only taught what you wanted to teach. You never taught that was hard. You never warned them. You never confronted them. And because I loved you, I warned you. I confronted you. Should we not be the same? We do it in love, brothers and sisters, but we must do it. Listen, brothers and sisters, honor. Honoring the Lord begins with His leaders in the church. In the home, and listen, any place you lead, you cannot leave your Christian beliefs, who you are in Christ, at home and pick it up when you get off work. We bring it with us. It is the glasses that we see all of life wear, and we cannot leave it behind. I want you to understand this this morning the best of my ability. And I'm using very plain language for a reason. Because I want you to understand how important honor is. And listen, brothers and sisters, we have nearly lost it. And we have lost it because we have lost it in the home. Honoring God must always be joined with the love of God. And love with no honor is not covenant love. Honoring God must always be joined with the love of God. And love with no honor is not love. It's worldly love. It is a deficient love. It is giving people and the Lord your leftovers. And so, I want to pull this tension this morning. Of honor without love and love without honor. This is the heart issues this morning. And I'm not saying this to anybody other than myself. Listen, I know which one of these two I struggle with. But I want us to understand some of us, some of us with a little bit more snow on the roof, we may be struggling with this this morning. Honor without love creates spiritual beggars. Honor without love creates spiritual beggars out of us. And listen, you know what it turns God into? A tyrant. So honor to say, 
respect, but not to have love. Turns us into beggars, begging from a dollar from a father who is a tyrant and not a loving father. It is, it is to believe God is like a father who smacks his kids in the head for spilling their milk. And listen, if you're older in this room, we must understand that many of us struggle right here with an obligatory obedience to God, and we have lost the fact that He chose us, that He is delighted in us, that He is for us. And any correction He's ever done in His life, He's did it not only for His glory, but for our good. Honor without love creates us into beggars and creates God as a tyrant. And to honor God rightly, we must love Him supremely. For He could not love us more. There is another side to this tension. And if you're young in this room, by the, I guess that changes as I get older, young and old. I, I like to think I'm young, but I'm not. You know, my age is giving me away. I'm holding on to my, my 40s with my teeth and I'm about to turn 50 and I don't know what is old and what is young anymore. But if you're in your teens and 20s and 30s you could be struggling here love and if you're a parent you need to listen to me love without honor creates entitled brats out of us to say that I love you and not to expect respect reciprocated is not biblical love it's not and what it creates out of worshipers is entitled brats who think God should be happy that they're just here this morning. And hear the Word of God this morning. This is the Lord of hosts. He needs nothing. And we need everything. Love without honor creates entitled brats out of us and turns God into a wimpy father that is begging for his kids' obedience. And parents, this begins in the home. I dare you to try it. Don't do it now because they'll be, they'll be up on it. Wait about 24 hours. Tell your child to come here and tell me what he says. You'll know immediately whether they respect you or not. Because here's what you're probably going to have to do. I see it all the time. Well, honey, w- would you like to put your shoes on? Come on, honey. Let's put a shoe. Put your shoes on for mama. You know I'm late to the doctor. Don't you care? But now, honey, put your shoes on. Come on. Listen, that's practical. That's theology applied right there. It's love with no honor. You need to teach your child to love, but you also must teach them to respect. When I tell my children to come here, they should know my character and my actions, that what I have said should be obeyed because I love them, not because I am a tyrant. Do you see my point? Love without honor turns us into entitled brats. And it turns Jesus into this needy, as Vody Balkum would say, sissified Jesus who is just begging for other people to be on his team. That's not who God is. And listen, this leadership begins in a home with teaching your children that they should honor their parents. And listen, it goes in the church that you should honor your leaders. Honor goes both ways. You do not have a loving relationship without it. That's why marriages are such in trouble today. And as a church, 
We, we seek to honor the Lord of hosts by, by adopting a purpose statement as a church that matches his word. Here's what we say. We exist as a church to glorify God. We don't get to choose that. God told us to glorify him. And here's what we see in the Bible. That God's people should not only collectively gather for worship and exalt Christ, but they also should get in small groups and share life together. We call that biblical community. We should grow in biblical community together. And if we do both of those things together, the result of that is to go with the gospel to all peoples. And if one of those is not happening because people do not honor the Lord enough to obey the purpose statement, then we are not equipped and we do not go. And God is not glorified. You see how that works? The same principles that work in your home is the same principles that works in church. And listen, even in, even in Christian business, we cannot say, I love the Lord. But I do not desire to live life with other believers. For God did not save you to yourself. He saved you to bring you into a family by where you live life together. And in that we grow. And in there we gather. So the heart of worship this morning seeks to honor Christ by bringing our best to Him. For only our best honors Him. And the heart of worship demands us as leaders that we teach others beginning in our home that the lord loves us but the lord demands our honor he both deserves it and he demands it so what today so what today i want to return back to the name the name one of the barriers the obstacles to worship is really right here between our ears this is this is, our, this is our greatest obstacle in all kinds of things. It is, it is our mindset. Here's the question. Are you living like a child or like an orphan? Now, you may not understand that, but I can really help you this morning if you'll listen to me because you see them all the time. You see, an orphan's not just your physical status, though it can be. There are spiritual orphans all around you. They are people whose parents... One or both have advocated their responsibility to, to nurture them emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually in their life. And they go through life fatherless and broken and angry and lost, overcompensating the, in their life. They, you can be a physical orphan, you can be a spiritual orphan, you can be an emotional orphan. And what that brings to you is a way of thinking. And so we're going through crazy busy in our small groups for this reason, because the world is a battlefield. And there are people falling everywhere, and we're too busy to render first aid because we've got to get to our next appointment. They're falling. They've got no fathers. Some of them for generations. And we're more busy of who's going to be the president than spending our life with them. And listen, Spending our life helping them to learn how to be the men and women God called them to be will change this nation. We can have an orphan mindset. What does that look like to have an orphan mindset? It means you live life in survival mode. It means we live, we live life treating people like opportunities. We treat people like a week old pizza. 
right? You order it, it comes in. I was single for years. I'd keep the pizza on the coffee table, right? You eat it for supper. What do you do with the pizza when you get through? Well, you don't eat it all. You leave it because you know what's for breakfast? Pizza. When you get up this morning, it's there. But by supper time, you just get one pizza and you pull all the toppings off the rest of it. You just eat that. People have been treated that way their whole life. Like a week old pizza where people just pick the toppings off of them to get what they need. And as a result, you know what the, the, how they live? They lie, they steal, they cheat, and they use anyone to better their chance for survival. Enter into their life, you. You. You see, you could be the first glimpse of the biblical Jesus that anybody in their life ever sees. What does this love look like when someone chooses to love you and set your affections on you and you never reciprocate? This is the love of Christ that we bring into other people's life. Can I prepare you for something? Don't expect them to enjoy it. Don't expect them to embrace it. Don't expect them to even delight in it to start with. You see, to be loved like God is a shocking experience. <laughs> it's shocking. I don't want anything from you. I've just set my affections on you and I will not give up on you. It's a shocking experience. Why? Because we join love to honor. We join it. and We never. We show honor to people precisely because they don't deserve it. Because we do not deserve to be a child of the King. And here we are. So this morning, will you give honor to the one, to the name that is above every name? Philippians 2 says this, verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me just read this next to you. Let's not disconnect this. Who you are, brothers and sisters. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it does not know Him. Beloved, loved by God, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And look at our response to this amazing truth. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies Himself as He is pure. Brothers and sisters, Father that loves us has adopted us into his family. The Lord of hosts calls his children. That is a name to be honored. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, as we have already read and as we will sing in a minute, we ask you to create a clean heart in us, O oh God. To renew a right spirit within us. Lord, we don't want to do anything 
that would affect our intimacy and our relationship with you. And so draw us close. Lord, thank you that because we are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit and he will never be taken away from us. That even today, he loves us enough to correct us and to kiss us and to remind us that we are yours. Lord, if there is any in here that needs to have the joy of their salvation restored, Lord, through the power of the Spirit, through the testimony of your word and through the love of your people, but they experience that today afresh and anew. And now, Lord, we respond here in a particular way, Lord. We are going to get up now and we are going to come to the tables as we do every week Lord because you commanded it of us because your name and the name of your son is worthy to be remembered until you come and so Lord as we prepare ourselves to sing as we prepare ourselves to come to the tables and remember and to give we say we only do that because of who you are and what you've done by giving us your son. And so now, Lord, be honored and glorified by your people. For we submit to your lordship and we honor your name with our lips, with our obedience, and with our offering. And be honored in all of it today in Jesus' name. Amen.